Good afternoon. Today my subject is on survival and Jesus being the light of the world. Let us pray. Lord, I come to you today and I just want to ask that this message be used around the world so that everyone who needs to hear it will hear it. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch each and every individual and turn their life around. We all have had trials and we still have trials and tribulation in which you tell us in your word. I just need, we just need to trust and believe in you. Take our burdens to you because there's nothing too hard for you to do. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask a question. Are you a survivalist or do you give up and do what you want? My answer to that is I am a survivalist because I listen to God and my conscience. Let me tell you a story. In 1984, while pregnant with my son, my husband left me and moved out while I was pregnant. We were both stationed at Fort Wainwright, Alaska. Each day I come home, I would notice something from here up here was missing. But it didn't bother me because I knew that God had me in his hands. As I got near and near my, my date of delivery, the doctor told me that my son's heart was slow. He said, I want you to go home, rest, prop your feet up. Because your baby heart was slow when I examined it. I went home that Friday evening. I did exactly what the doctor told me to do. That Saturday morning, it was the same. I did a little cleaning, though. That Saturday evening, I cooked my supper. I ate. I showered. Then I laid down on the sofa and went to sleep. I either had a vision or a dream. Because in that... I saw that I was in a maze and I couldn't get out. As I was trying to get out that maze, I heard a voice say, follow the light. I looked around and I saw the light. And I followed that light until I got to the opening of the maze. As I was awakened from sleep, I felt labor pains, but they wasn't sharp. Then all of a sudden, I became thirsty. I got up, went into the kitchen. I drank me some water. That didn't satisfy my thirst. I got me some iced tea. I still was thirsty. So I went into the bedroom. I put on me some pants, a sweater, put a scarf around my neck, my mittens, my pocket, and my snow boots. And I walked up to the corner store. As I walked in, the husband and wife that were running the store said, My friend, what are you doing up here this late at night? I said, I just wanted me a six-pack of strawberry soda. As I paid for my purchase and I started out the door, her husband told his wife, I'm going to walk our friends halfway back to her apartment to make sure she's safe. He told me, when you get to the door, of your building. Holland say I'm here. 
Once a guy got to the building, I did as he said, and I proceeded on up to the third floor to go into my apartment. Once inside my apartment, I sat down and I sat down and I drank two cans of strawberry soda. I took off my snow boots and everything, and I laid back down on the sofa. And all of a sudden, the pain started coming harder. So I called OBGYN at Fort Wainwright, Bassett Army Community Hospital. I told them who I was, and I told them I was a high-risk patient. The nurse asked me, had my water broke? I told her, I said, no, it's only spotty. I said, but a doctor has have to break my water like he had to break my water with my first child. She wasn't listening. She told me, well, there's nothing we can do. You have to stay home until your water break. I did not argue with her. I said, okay, and I hung up the phone. So I wouldn't rest there. Something to say, call your friend Olive. She was the NCRC of the OBGYN clinic. I called Olive and I told her, I said, this is Deborah. I'm having labor pains. They're not bad. I said, but I already called OBGYN. Told them I was just spotting. Told them I was a high-risk patient. And the nurse told me to stay home until my water break. I'll just say, that, 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 that's not good. She's letting me call the ER and see what doctor's on. So happened, my doctor, who had been transformed from, Maddox, Maddox, uh, from Fort Lewis, Washington, up there. And as the doctor that I was seeing didn't believe that I was pregnant. He kept examining me, and he said I wasn't, and he told me, he said, there's a specialist coming in for Fort Lewis, and I won't, I'm going to let him see you. As Dr. Collins was telling the special about me, I walked up, and he looked up. He said, oh, yeah, I'll take her case. I know her case. He said, she's a high-risk patient. We had to put her on high risk after her first child. He said, but I would take her case because, yes, she is, aren't, she's not a normal woman. But if she says she's is pregnant, she is. So as time went by, um, I called the ER. And she was supposed to call me back, but so happened my doctor called. He identified himself and he said, Deb, what did you tell the nurse on the phone? I said, I told her my name. I told her I was a high-risk patient. Told her I had spotted a little, but I was having pain. He said, what did she tell you? And I told him what he, she told me. He said, okay, how many minutes apart the pain? And I told him. He said, I'll give you a call back. When he called back in less than 10 minutes, he said, Deb, get on into the hospital do you have a ride i said a ride is not a problem i got a good cab driver he told me any time of the day or night that i needed him to come pick me up just call the cab company so i called the cab company i told them who i was and they knew exactly what to do they said we getting on the phone right now call him he called me he said i'll be there in less than 10 minutes Stay upstairs. Don't meet me outside. I will come up to your apartment, knock on the door, and walk you down those steps. He knocked on the door. He took my bag and my apartment keys. He locked the keys, locked the house, and he walked me down the three flights of stairs to my apartment. 
he proceeded to take me to uh, Fort Wainwright to Bassett. As he drove up in front of the hospital, he said, do you need me to go with you? I said, I'm fine. I paid in the fare. I said, and I will give you a call to let you and your family and your wife know how I'm doing. He said, we'll be waiting. As I got on the elevator and the elevator stopped on the fourth floor where OBGYN was located, the nurse was waiting for me right there as the door opened. She said, Sergeant Blackwell, I say yes. She said, Yo, doctor, cares very much for his patients. Say so he called up here and he blessed us out. And he said he wants us to call him as soon as you get off the elevator. She said, well, we're going to make sure you're in bed. Then I'm going to call. As soon as he walked in that room, he said, how have they been treating you? And I looked at him and I looked at the nurse. And I bust out and start laughing. She said, we are so sorry. They called the anesthesiologist and he came. When he got there, he said, I was on the dance floor dancing when my beeper went off. He said, I said, there's nobody but Sergeant Blackwell. She can't even wait till the weekend is over. So as they were rolling me into surgery, he was cracking jokes and I was laughing and laughing. One of the doctors said, I don't understand. She's not, she's not hooping and hollering like all some women's. My doctor says, that's what I'm saying. You think this is looking at her now? Wait till you get in the operating room. He's going to have a hard time putting her under. As they got me into the operating room, they situated me on the bed. He came back in with dress to operate. He said, I see you haven't got her under yet. <laughs> and he started laughing. He said, I told you. He said, Dad, I'm just going to have to do like I did in, in Tacoma. I'm going to have to start cutting until he gets you open. He said, this is my spatula. And he held up so I could see it. He said, I'm finna start cutting. I heard the doctor say, give me one more chance. And I think I get him. I said, doc, do you remember what I told you in Tacoma? He said, yes, I do. I said, the same thing goes for this one. And he had, asked, he had already told me, he said, your tissue is so thin. When you have C-section, it is hard for me to sew you up. He said, I know you're married. He said, I know you always said you wanted a girl. I said, yes, even if this marriage don't work out, in which it looked like it's not, I still want a girl. I said, if it's a girl, I want to stop. If it's a boy, no. Let God continue to do his work. So at 3.36 that morning, I had my son. I refused to stay in bed. I just got up and walked the halls, walked down there to the TV lounge. And I just prayed. Icing myself, what do I de what did I do to deserve the treatment that I had been getting from my husband that he walked out 
on his child and a pregnant woman. But I was just icing myself that it wasn't bothering me because I knew I had a young baby that I had to take care of. My colonel came. They say he was in a meeting. They was in a staff meeting. And the nurse said she announced that Sergeant Blackwell had had a, a boy. So the colonel said, meeting is adjourned. I'm going to see my favorite soldier. He came to my room. He said, anything you need, just let my wife and me know. I said, sir, I'm fine. My baby and I will be fine. The next, my next survivor came. It was in 19. Eighty-eight. I had a dream that my father's mother, which is my grandmother, wasn't going to live to see the new year come in. I went in and I told my commander. I said, I had a dream that my grandmother won't be living long. I want to take leave and go to see her. I feel that she said, okay, I feel that my leave form. I called in and made my reservations to fly out on December 21st. My detachment had made plans to give the children, all the children of uh, the soldiers in my attachment, a Christmas party. So that particular day, my commander dismissed everybody to go pick up their children and get prepared for the Christmas party that night. As I was walking around my children at the party, my commander walked up to me. She said, Sergeant Blackwell, before you leave, I need to see you, First Sergeant I. Well, an hour went by, an hour and a half went by, two hours. I said, well, I'm finna go. And I went and found my commander. I said, well, we finna go. She went and got the First Sergeant, so we stood back. She said, remember when you came and told me that you wanted to go see your grandmother before she pop in this world. I say yes. She said, Sergeant Blackwell, you didn't make it. Red Cross called today. Immediately after I dismissed the detachment. Said that your grandmama had just passed. She said, you already got your reservations made. I said, yes. She said, just called them and changed the date. My two children and I flew into Jacksonville, Florida, where my brother and my two sisters came to pick me up. After the funeral, we was all sitting in the living room when the news flashed across the screen that Pan Am Flight 103 had went down. It had been shot down. Immediately, something said, Deborah, that's the flight you and your adult children supposed to have been on coming from Germany. I said, God knew what he doing. My mother said, what? I said, that's the flight we supposed to have been on. And I started thanking God. I say, I didn't want it to happen like this, but I thank God for what he did. But let me back up a little further. August 1982. I was pregnant with my first son. Went into labor. They put me to bed. 
They kept coming in and check on me. And all of a sudden, they came back in running. Two nurses said, get on all fours. Next thing I know, they was they pushing the bed down the hall running. When we got to where we were going, it was the surgical unit. My doctor was there. He said, Sergeant Blackwell, your baby heart has stopped beating. I got to get in there and get in there quick to save it. While he was talking, they were trying to put me under. He said, if, I said, there's no if. If it comes to anything, save my child and don't worry about me. They said it was a, a rough surgery. So they gave me some sleeping medicine to sleep it off. I didn't wake up till the next day. When I woke up, the nurses say, you got a dedicated husband. Because he slept across two chairs watching you. They got me up so I could go wash up. I remember going in the bathroom. That's the last thing I remember until I woke up in the bed. My husband said we had to break the dough down because you never came out. When we broke the dough down, you were laying on the floor. You had fainted. I'm here to say that I'm a thriver. I'm a survivor because I believe in God and you can too. All that happened to me with my husband walking out to stay with, another, stay with other women. He even told me that I wasn't a woman because I couldn't have children naturally. He even accused me a lot of things on all that I did. Was he and I were both in the military, was to go to my job, come back home, cook, supper, cook breakfast. On weekends we had three meals a day. All I did was trust in God. He went on special duty one time. And something woke me up about 5 o'clock that morning. Said he had ran up a tree with the car. So when he called, he said, I got something to tell you. I said, let me tell you what happened. I said, you don't have an accident and you don't wreck the car. You ran up a tree. He said, how you know it? I said, God told me. One night, he came in when we was at station in Fort Hood, Texas. He said, I need to talk with you. I said, about what, the wreck you just had? You don't told another car? You don't told another car? Then while we were stationed in Texas, they had, his unit had to go to training out there in California. He called me one Sunday evening to see how I was doing. I prayed him with my daughter. God bless me with a daughter. I said, I'm fine. How about you? 
He said, all right. I said, are you sure? He said, what you mean? I said, because last night you were calling someone my name out and it wasn't mine. So he said, what lady? And I told him. He had two friends, and both of these friends used to call me mom. And one day they came, both of them came to the house. They said, Mom, let, me, let us ask you something. I said, what? He, they said, when we was in California, he came back and asked us, have y'all talked to Mom lately? We said, no, why? He said, because she just told me the name of the woman that I'm seeing. And one of the guys' last name was Smiley. He said, I told you to be careful what you're doing. He said, he told him, say, remember that phone call? Eric and I got at the, at the uh, bowling alley one day, and we both left. Said, that was your wife on the phone. She called to see was it safe while she was carrying your daughter. See was it safe for her and Thomas to come up and get them a hamburger. And we told her, no, we will bring it to her. He said, you have always told us. She's a believer, and God tells us stuff. So why are you doing this? You know, I'm a firm believer in God. I believe that he's the light of this world. I believe that he died on the cross. He rose again to give me eternal life. I believe and all that he have called me to do. In 2009, he's called me out of my sleep. He said, Deborah, I want you to go and learn more about me. He sent me to seminar school. He has awarded me three degrees from Liberty University, a bachelor and two master's degrees. The point is I follow the light and wherever that light tells me to go I'm gonna go wherever the light whatever the light tells me to say I'm gonna say it whatever the light tells me to do I'm gonna do it there's nothing too hard for God for me and I know that God can do all things through Christ that strengthen me As John tells us to trust Jesus, and that is what I do. John first nine said, Jesus is your true life. Jesus is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. All this means is following Jesus that one trusts in him. You will have the light, a light, and that light was the light for me. The light of Jesus has and he has shown his life to you and me who follows him. Jesus' light tells me that if I walk with Jesus, I would not walk in darkness. Having Jesus as my light, I look at things and situations in different ways. His light is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That comes out of Psalm 27. I believe. I have faith, and I will be obedient. 
I know that I have this life and this life in me will never I will never be without. Jesus is my divine light and he is my source of light. I will never live in darkness again. So I say that we need to seek God and his word because it gives us knowledge. I know that God is near and will always be near. In this message, I want others to say that they are a survivor and they know that Jesus is the light of the world. I want others to say that I need that in order to let my light shine so that others may see Jesus shine in me. As we read in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, that we are not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, or stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the seat of the scorpion. As a child of the living God, we are to delight in the law of the Lord, and that we shall meditate on it day and night. We will be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, in that it brings forth good fruit in its season. This tells me that we should not walk as ungodly, nor are we to stand with sinners or sit with scorpions. We should always delight in the law of God and definitely meditate on his words day and night. If we do this, we will be planted by the rivers in which, as followers of God, Lord, being obedient, believing, and having faith, that we will bring forth good fruits, as Jesus states. Moses also states in Psalm 9 to 12, the righteousness shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like cedar in Lebanon. I trust in the Lord and I trust in his name. As Solomon writes, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I used to rely on others and myself by pleasing them, holding on instead of allowing God to help me. God has promised to take care of me. For instance, I tried to make marriage work on my own. I prayed, cried, and he fought against it, doing everything he wanted except being a father and a husband. While sitting at Dublin BA, reading, meditating, and praying, a man and this woman walked up to me that had just walked in the door, as they said. This man proceeded to say, you don't know me, and I, I don't know you. But I says, as I stepped in, God told me to tell you that he has heard your prayers and he sees your cries. Everything is going to be all right. It is strange because when he came up to me, I had just stopped reading and was praying within my spirit to God. He told me some of the things that I had just prayed for, and I knew it was God because I never saw that man and woman before. It is the same as when I pray and ask God, what have I done to be treated like this? I even asked the Lord, what did I do to get the treatment for my siblings that I was getting? I remember once, one of my nieces came to my house. She had never been there before, or we had never spoke. She came and questioned me, telling me that I should be shaming myself. I informed her that I had not done anything and she needs to talk about what she knows. A year or so went by and my niece, mother, and I was talking on the phone. She began to tell me what her daughter said and I told her 
that you all need to stay out of my business because God knows what I did and so does my son. I told her that he told me everything that he had heard and what others had called me thinking that he was too young to remember. I told her that I even showed him evidence of what I did for him. The same way God told Joshua, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and be of good cheer. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy, thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Joshua 1 9. Also, Psalm 84 tells me, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in thee. As a believer, we are to be honest. We need to thrive and depend on God. We need to be honest. We need, we must admit our struggles to us, and we need others who trust God. In surviving and surviving, we need to renew our strength in God. Isaiah 40 31. We need to renew ourselves in God so that he can renew our soul. Just as it states in Psalm 23, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. We need to ask God to give us a clean heart. <coughs> I, <coughs> Psalm 51 and Isaiah 51, 10 through 12. Apostle Paul gives us some advice on how to renew our soul mind and body and being transformed in Romans 12 2 and in Colossus 3 10. In our surviving thriving we need to resist the devil and he will flee James 4 7 through 8. The prophet Isaiah said that we are to put our trust in God in our thriving and survival. We have the power of Jesus Christ to be victorious Isaiah 55 6 through 7. We need to trust in God. I will continue to trust in God we need to draw near to him so he could draw near to us. This is how we are to thrive and survive in this rugged world. This world is not my home, but I am striving for my home, which is in heaven. As the Lord has been with me through all my trials and tribulations, I know that I am an overcomer and a survivor and that God walked with me through, all it, through it all. This is why I look to the light of the world and that he is my life and he will remain my life. In conclusion, I ask that you ask yourself, are you a survivor? Are you a thriver? Do you know that Jesus is your light? And do you understand and believe that Jesus died on the cross to give you eternal life? Father, I pray that you take this message throughout the world so others can see why Jesus is the light of the world in their lives and he can be the light in everyone. I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to them that one can thrive and survive as I've done because I took to my source who is my Lord and Savior and nobody else. I ask that you take the thrones out of everyone's life before they can tell someone else. We all need to look at our own situation instead of looking at others. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.